This podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being, being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. My dharma is to make visible what without me might go unnoticed and needs to be noticed, and to encourage the same in others. We each have something sweetly specific to us, our dharma, that longs to take the stage. It's that luminous part of us that, when experienced, we fall wildly in love with ourselves, put on our best dress, and take a giddy bow with the divine. Valeria Tellis interviews Barbara Brady, a para-yoga teacher, meditation yoga nidra teacher, MA, ERYT 500, YACEP Director of Education, Blue Door Yoga and Wellness. Barbara Brady has a vast curiosity about yoga and life. She has been teaching since 2000 and has an established private yoga practice where yoga is designed specifically for the client. Barbara's classes are all about adding calm into your life while building strength and confidence. Classes are a hatha yoga flow, but the flow is noticeably slower than power vinyasa classes. They are powerful. It is a power that comes about through effortless awareness of the body, breath, and mind. You'll find yourself discovering yoga in a mindful way that has long-lasting effects. You are sure to feel calm and alert. Barbara's classes are very meditative and breath-centered, with pranayama and meditation woven in. She is highly skilled in leading Yoga Nidra, a deeply restorative guided relaxation done while lying down in Savasana. It is delicious. To deepen the scope of working one-on-one, Barbara is trained in Yoga Mindset Coaching, YMC, a client-centered approach which brings the yoga mindset into the field of coaching. A YMC-inspired yoga coaching session begins with checking in with the client. How are things going for you today? what seems to be active. Let's say the client shares that they are overwhelmed with everything they have to do. After reflective listening, the coach reflects the client's words back to them and asks the client to consider the possibility that they're not completely in overwhelm, but a part of them is, and that part is just trying to do its job of taking care of us. This is based on internal family systems, IFS in the field of psychology and parts work. IFS believes that everything that causes us to react in our life is a field outside of us and does not define us. Meet Barbara at barbarabrady.com. Here's the interview with Barbara Brady. In your own words, who is Barbara Brady? 
Oh, in my own words, who is Barbara Brady? Barbara Brady is a way shower. And I have felt that, Barbara Brady has felt that since childhood, at many times not quite understanding, but knowing that I work best and therefore I help the world work work best when I am helping other people show the way. Um, Part of my dharma is, and I have a couple of mentions of dharma, and I would love to talk more about that if you'd like to, but part of my dharma is I just share all of myself. I exuberantly shine through creative expression of the divine as I open eyes to wonder. As I open eyes to wonder, and I, I know that for me, again, that is part of my dharma, my purpose, and, and I know that it is because when I'm not doing that, life doesn't work so well. How would you describe the divine, Barbara? What is it? Well, we are the divine. Each and every one of us is. My yoga background, my studies and my training, which I can trace my yoga lineage back to the 8th century. It's an initiated lineage, which I'm very happy to be with that. And we look at this from a tantric yoga background. And tantra, I'm not talking about tantric sex. That's what some people would call California tantra. Tantra actually is a very ancient tradition And really at its core, it is recognizing that we are all the divine. And in fact, the divine chose human beings because the divine created the world. And in order for the divine to experience the world, it has to do so through human beings. And would you say plants, animals, the ocean, the earth itself, it's everything, right? Not just humans. Everything is the divine, and therefore all the more reason for us to be, you know, kind and aware of each other and to ourselves, of course, that we are a divine vessel. We are a vessel for the divine. And I have another question for you, the one that relates to finding purpose in life. How did you discover your purpose, and how do we know when we are living the purpose? Oh, this is such a wonderful question that um, my teacher, Rod Stryker, guided me toward this. And it's really by way of when you look at actually, and I've done this recently, I'm I'm in my 60s, yeah. but to look back, to find your purpose, if you look back, what are the life lessons that keep coming back to me, things that keep knocking me on the head because I haven't learned them yet. Yeah. And they're often the form of, and I've seen it myself in the life lessons that I hadn't quite learned in jobs and careers and relationships. And it's really when we look at what is a life lesson I haven't quite learned yet and what would be the antidote to that? So for me, I when I looked at it closely, and yoga really is about self-inquiry, is when I look at what life lessons have I not quite learned. And for me, it was not speaking up for myself. And then when I, oh, what is the antidote for just staying quiet, holding back, being afraid to speak up? And then, as I just shared with you, I just share all of myself is the antidote to holding back. And then when you say holding back, I think about fear. So fear is under that. Yes, it is. And again, I just, I love the idea that we can look at what are the obstacles in life? Yeah. And whatever those obstacles are, the biggest ones that have been with us all our life, Mm. the antidote to that is our dharma, purpose. Because if we do that, then that other just vanishes. 
does it have to do with flow, would you say, or has to do with feelings? Yeah, uh, I describe as we kind of look at, if I want to know what my purpose is, and I think back on the times in my life when I was just flowing along, I call it humming along, yeah. humming <laughs> along. And what mm. was I doing at that point when I was just humming along? And um, there's a meditation that, that I do that is a tantric meditation, which are very, um, very visualized. And it is, um, look back at a time, remember a time in your life when you became an unstoppable force, mm. when you became an unstoppable force, when you just were, again, humming along, when you truly excelled. That's when you're on purpose. That's when you're on your purpose, Dharma. It sounds like very simple to recognize when this is happening. Do you believe that we somehow find the purpose and then we are humming along, like you said, beautifully, and then for some reason we lose that? Is that um, something that you have experienced, that in and out of purpose or maybe the transition, moving from one purpose to another, transforming? Is that something that could happen? Sure it is. And what really happened, because we are human beings. Yeah. And we have these different um, parts of ourselves, which I look at when I'm working with private clients, is to look at what are those, when we get off course, and it feels like yeah, we're off course. Right. And it's really, we're getting a message. There's a part of us inside that's like, I have to express something. I need to be heard. And we have a hard time realizing, oh, it's a part of me that's trying to get a message to me. It's trying to help me. And when we learn to listen to that and give it space and time and honor it and acknowledge it. So when we are getting off track, per se, it's a part of us that's being ignored. That makes sense. It resonates, right? Yes. And then we go, oh, aha, I hear you. I hear you. And rather than look at like, oh, I've got to get rid of this. It's bothering me. Get right. it away. Get it away. Right. Well, as you know, that resistance creates persistence. Mm. So yeah. it's like giving that time and space. And when we do and become more spacious ourselves, then whatever that message is. And I, when I was much younger, I thought of it in terms of angels. Yeah. That's my angel whispering mm -hmm. to me. And if I don't listen in the beginning, then she knocks a little bit louder and then louder and louder and maybe has to knock me over before I hear it. Talk to me about your understanding of spirituality. Is yoga, the way you practice and teach, a spiritual belief system or it's just a way of life, a lifestyle? I, I believe it's both. And in yoga, we look at, and just in pretty much any yoga teacher or system of yoga would say it is the union of the body, the mind, and the spirit. But it's really creating a way, and, and my, I've been teaching yoga for over 20 years and practicing for almost 50 years. And it's really looking at the alignment so that when we line up what is best for our spirit and, and living our life in such a way that our spirit can be what is shining forth from us. So the spirit... And, and I think of the uh, spirit and soul, I don't really differentiate too much between those two words, but um, it's certainly a lifestyle that will allow our spirit to thrive. And when our spirit is thriving, then our bodies and mind can't as well. And that is interesting because yoga has been adopted in the West as an, an exercise kind of yes. um, practice, right? Uh, activity, not 
really the merge of all parts of ourselves. Why is that? Why do some of us don't believe or don't even reflect upon this possibility that there is more than the body and the mind? I often wonder, because that seems to happen more often than not with us human beings, focusing too much body, mind, and forgetting about the soul, the spirit, the, I call the life, it's the impossible. Uh, <laughs> yeah, nature, a life itself, just here now. To me, this is the impossible and the unknown. And that might be what most of us call the spirit, um, the soul, divine. It's just this uh, magic presence that it's here all the time. Oh, that's beautiful. It is. That's that's beautiful. And something that we look at in some of the really ancient traditions of yoga from the Vedas, which are from mm. thousands of years ago, and the Vedic model of the mind. And I just love this when we look now at some of the things the yogis knew thousands of years ago that now neuroscientists and psychologists more recently are recognizing. And the Vedic model of the mind and psychology is that we have the soul, of course, but the soul has to look through the mind mm. to see what the world looks like. Mm. So if our mind is befuddled and busy and anxious and negative and, and has lots of pro- associating with the problems, then the soul is like the soul's having to look through a dirty window mm. to see what the world looks like. So yeah. it's part of our practice to kind of clean the windows, clean the smudges <laughs> off the windows, cleaning the mind, keeping the mind more open, which um, breath is certainly one of the readiest ways to get toward that. But it's it's all the more important to be able to, for the soul to experience what the world is like yeah. in, in a more lovely, beautiful fashion. In a, a very, yeah, I call it magic, but yeah, yeah, yeah. not even mystery, just magic. Because yes. it is magical. Uh, when we think about it with a clear mind, right? Like, Absolutely. What is this? <laughs> it's amazing to be here. <laughs> it is. Um, and I'm, this is making me think about, and I use a lot of, I'm very inspired by quotes, which when yeah. I'm teaching a yoga class, and I still teach yoga with the postures, the asana, but that's a very small part of my intention. But I do bring in different quotes while I'm teaching postures to help bring what you and I are talking about now into into the realm. And one of them is from um, James Baldwin. And this quote from James Baldwin, and of course he was a musician, he was an artist and a writer. I mean, he was a writer, excuse me. And this quote is, the role of the artist is exactly the same as the role of the lover. If I love you, I must make you aware of the things you do not see. And it starts with us, right, Barbara? It does, it does. And and if the more I can help people, I, I use the word facilitate, facilitate others to kind of see this also for themselves. Because yoga okay. ultimately is, for me, about self-inquiry. It's not about the poses, it's about self-inquiry. Ah, it's something that we need to do more often. Yeah, and it can be kind of scary. It's a scary thing to do because it's we have these associations of pain and fear, and I don't want to look at that. That's scary. That was painful. That was harmful. But again, as I was mentioning earlier, that it's really when we can and find a comfortable, safe way to do that self-inquiry that can help us move forward. 
What do you love most about being in a human body? Oh, that's so funny. My first answer, and this is because it's really, it's really dominant with me right now, is swimming. And that wow. seems kind of minor, but I love swimming laps. Yeah. And what I love, and this is, is more, uh, yeah, more a meaningful answer, is that when I swim laps, mm -hmm. I'm really aware of, like, I see the bubbles in the water as my hand goes down, and I see the sun sparkling on the bottom mm -hmm. of the pool, and I feel the water brushing across my skin. Yeah. So these are really ways to come to the present moment. These sensations yes. that we feel in the body True. are wonderful ways to keep us in the present moment because that's what's here right now, the feeling of our breath, mm -hmm. the feeling of sensations. And, and um, I refer back to my background in Tantra. And Tantra recognizes that we are in a human body and therefore it's just as important within this if you would consider a spiritual discipline, which it is in one respect, is that it's not denying the worldly fulfillment, but in Tantra, we welcome both spiritual fulfillment and worldly, um, worldly fulfillment. Here in the podcast, I ask a lot, but I asked, I think on the park, we were walking, my husband and I, in the park, we were walking, then there was somebody, older person, and then I was talking to my husband about, what do you think is the purpose of life, you know, the oh. purpose of being here? And then this man answered, oh, it's balance. <laughs> he said oh. from far away, close enough that he could hear. That kind of resonated, balance. Yes. So talk to me for a moment about balance, Barbara, balance, harmony. Is that something to look for as a destination, or is it just the play, the movement, the dance of life? Oh, I love that. It is the dance of life, absolutely. But balance is absolutely, absolutely essential. It's something that we work to cultivate. We really cultivate balance. And again, kind of when I was referring about Dharma, when we know when we're off balance and, and looking at what can we do to bring ourselves in balance. I, I study Ayurveda a little bit, not a lot, but in Ayurveda, we look at... Um, we tend to be drawn to things that pull us out of balance. So it's to look at what is, and it could definitely be the different foods we eat, the time of day we get up, when we go to bed, um, even you know the times of day we eat. And for different people, a different practice of exercise, of food, et cetera, is going to work to bring me into balance would be different perhaps than what's bringing you into balance. So it's really, it just has a lot to do with the lifestyle. And my last warm-up question to you is about freedom. What is your idea of freedom? What is to be liberated, per se? Um, I go back to Dharma. It's like creating a way in which I can live my Dharma, live my purpose. And that's freedom. That's freedom. It's because it's what's making me open to move in the world that is best for me and for those around me. I like ways, I really, I, through my life, I've just been able to make connections between seemingly disparate things. And it came to me at one point that the expression that sounds bad, a pejorative, that, oh, you're just being full of yourself. Don't do that. Oh, you're being full of yourself. In fact, it's the opposite. Be full of yourself, self with a capital S. That's what gives freedom, is to be full of yourself. <laughs> True. Yeah, I love the way you say that because it is true. Yeah, it became um, a negative kind of expression uh, idea, but it's quite the opposite. Yeah, I talk a lot. I love the idea of self-love, unconditional self-love, because 
And from my perspective, the only way to expand that love to others in the world, by it has to start here. And I know there's a topic that I want to talk to you about, which has to do with something that I love too, which is gentleness, kindness as a superpower, as you say. You are a um, para-yoga teacher. That's um, yeah. Talk to me before we talk about the yoga mindset coaching, one on one. Talk to me about what para yoga is, and also um, nidra. I never heard about yoga okay, nidra. Sure, sure. Well, um, para yoga is. I've been studying with my teacher Rod Stryker since two thousand four, and it. I refer back to tantric hatha yoga, which really comes back from. It can be traced back to about the. 7th or 8th century. And in Tantric Hatha Yoga and Para Yoga, it's really bringing in, and I mentioned Ayurveda, bringing in Ayurveda, but also when I'm doing an asana class, a Para Yoga class, yes, we do the postures, the asanas, but while doing the postures, we're doing specific breath work, pranayama, and we're at times chanting mantra while moving in and out of postures. And we'll bring in, and that's one of my favorite Sanskrit words, bhavana. A bhavana is a contemplation or a flavor, a visualization that you bring in while you're in a pose, for instance. And it could be light in the heart. And for instance, I might be moving in and out of, for anyone who knows yoga postures, yoga asana, I might be moving in and out of warrior one, which is expanding the arms, expanding through the chest, and invite the student to take an inhale, pause that inhale, and visualize light in your heart as you're containing the inhale. And so we bring in that. And also, we always will do uh, pranayama and a meditation while doing the asana and after. So in, in many yoga classes these days, you go into a yoga class, and you do your postures, then you do a little relaxation, shavasana, and you sit up and say namaste and walk out the door. And para yoga, we would, after shavasana, that's really preparing us to sit up and do some breath works and pranayama, which is preparing us for the meditation. And oftentimes, the theme of the meditation is what will determine what postures we do before that. So, for instance, there might be some practices that are more energizing. And in that case, we'll be doing things like holding the inhale, lengthening the inhale, doing more simple backbends. If that's for energizing, if someone needs to calm down more, we would slow down the exhales. We might pause the exhale out. We'll do some forward bends. So it's really like an alchemy of these different elements of yoga that we bring in to para yoga. And I, I can answer yoga nidra now unless you want to have more questions on that. I'm not sure if you talked about the yoga nidra. Is that yeah? Yeah, yeah. No, yoga nidra. Yoga nidra is, and I've done certification in this. It's more and more a focal point of my teachings with my students and clients. Yoga Nidra on one level is a deep relaxation. So in general, one is lying down in Shavasana, the corpse pose that we often do at the end of a yoga class. But it's it's usually longer. It's usually anywhere from 20 to 40 minutes long. And it's a, it's a guided relaxation. You make sure that the person practicing is very comfortable and 
on a surface level, it's going to feel like a deep, deep relaxation, a deep rest. Mm. But what it's actually doing, and, and it, its origins can be traced back to the Upanishads, which are some of the earliest mm. scriptures in yoga, again, centuries and centuries ago. But it's really moving us to a place where we are as at rest as we are when we're in a deep sleep state. I'm talking about through the, the layer, layers of consciousness, the mind, we're in a deep sleep state. However, unlike sleep at night in bed, mm. we are alert, we are aware. So we can come to that point where we're so relaxed, we've let go of tension in the body and the mind and the breath. And therefore, we can be awareness aware of itself. Mm -hmm. And this is where we can get not only we can move beyond resting, which is important, but this is where we can begin to make some deep, deep changes on a subconscious level. Do you find that yoga is very much, let's say, something that women are more attracted to and inspired by than men? Oh, this is just... Um, oh, no, that, that is very true in current society. But interestingly enough, the yoga postures that most people are familiar with that we might do in, in going into a yoga class, most of those postures are really only from just over 100 years ago. The more ancient traditions of yoga were more about the yoga for the mind and meditation, but also the original postures were mostly seated and the yoga that most people practice today in terms of focusing on the body and the, the postures was developed a little over 100 years ago, and it was cultivated for um, athletic young men. Oh, <laughs> so, wow. oddly enough, oddly <laughs> enough, that's kind of been the, the underpinnings of what became popular in the West. And... Um, for whatever reason, when yoga became more popular in terms of classes in gyms, et cetera, it kind of came out of, I, it was happened a lot for a lot of people in gyms at first in going to a fitness class and wanting to look like the yoga people on Instagram and to have a certain body look. And But originally, it, it was mostly practiced by men originally. So talk to me about yoga mindset coaching. How would you describe a session, a yoga mindset session, Barbara? Yeah, a yoga mindset coaching. This is, um, it's really an amazing discipline that it's a combination of a type of therapy called integrated family systems, sometimes called IFS. And that was developed in the 80s. And in this version of therapy, it's recognizing that the client ultimately is within them, they are whole that within them, they are whole, they are self with a capital S. However, mm. we begin to get disturbed and upset and exhausted and overwhelmed by these parts of ourselves. So I was just working with a client yesterday and she was saying, oh, I just have so much trouble making decisions and I get so exhausted and overwhelmed because I can't make a decision and I'm thinking, what if, what if, what if? And I've been this way my whole life. And I said, aha, let's look at this another way. Rather than 
identifying with, I've been this way all my life. Oh, there's a part of you. I understand. Sounds like there's a part of you that really has a tough time making decisions. And wow, it's got a big job. It's got a lot of deep beliefs. I wonder if we could bring a little relief, a little space. And so it's the coaching part comes in here is I will listen to the client and reflect. They usually have quite a bit to say. And it's often people who feel like they have either what we call a overwhelmed and exhausted manager parts who are like, I have to manage this person's life every minute of the day. If not, it's going to be hell in a handbasket. Or it might be exiles and these wounded parts of ourselves that still feel wounded and identify us. And we identify with being that wounded self. But in in this listening, I'll, I'll help the client see it's just a part of you. And to help them come into spending more time in self with a capital S. Mm. And we know we're in self with a capital S more when we are calm, clear, curious, Mm. courageous, confident, centered. There are a lot of C words. And Mm, so what we'll do in, in yoga mindset coaching, which moves it beyond seated therapy or seated coaching is... I'll say, ah, okay, well, if this part is feeling really overwhelmed and needs more space, this part is feeling very depressed, needs more space, I'll say, let's go onto the mat now, and we'll usually do just a few postures and then different versions of relaxation, which might be um, a meditation, it might be yoga nidra, it might be the breathing, the pranayama, but they are all, it's not just, oh, let's do these postures, but as I mentioned earlier, it's, it's which postures are going to help someone come back to being more grounded, which is going, another practice is going to help someone who needs to get out of stagnation. So it's using, we call it the yoga intervention. So I'm going to take them onto the mat to help them do postures and breathing relaxation. That's going to, my goal as a coach is simply to help the client spend more time in self, give them space for self to recognize it, and for them to realize that self with a capital S has no agenda. Mm, self yeah. is just love. Mm. Self is just love. And yeah, you mentioned the, the C's, curiosity, compassion, clarity, acceptance. And that's something that we often don't use curiosity when we are dealing with emotions Absolutely. Uh, yeah, we lose ourselves for a moment. But that, um, when I see that happening, it doesn't happen often with me these days, but it still does sometimes. So I wonder if there is a, a point, Barbara, without practice, if there's a, a coaching that we will be able to do that, um, be there with no confusion anymore and just calm and in this space that's it's just ongoing. Is that possible from your perspective to be there as a destination? It absolutely is. And I'll I'll refer back to what we spoke of earlier about how we know when life is just humming along and we're not yeah. thinking this, that, or the other, when life's just humming along, it's like, oh, I'm feeling clear. I'm feeling confident. I'm curious. I'm centered. I'm courageous. Ah, I'm mm. in self right now. And that's the true you is when we are in that. And the the part about the curiosity about emotions, which you mentioned, is, and I'll often speak to a client when I hear them say something about this part that feels very anxious, like, 
huh, I'm really, I'm really curious. Hmm. I'm really curious. What does that part, what does that part afraid might happen if it weren't anxious right now? And then what a really wonderful aid that we give in yoga mindset coaching, we call it the core question, is if one's saying, if I don't work overtime, I've got a family, I've got children, I've got a full-time job. And if I don't work all of these full time, I don't know how I'm just, I don't know where I'm going to find any time and space. And I'm not a good mother. I'm not a good parent. I'm not doing my job right. So, huh, I'm just curious. Does any other possibility exist other than that belief? the core question. And I use this on myself when I'm kind of ruminating about, oh my, I'm worried about this side or the other. That's gonna, this is gonna happen, that's gonna happen. Mm-hmm. Ah, does any other possibility exist? And you know, pretty much always <laughs> there is one. Right, right. It's clear in this space so we can see the possibilities, the choices, the options we have. It's coming from a playful place too. That's what I hear. It's uh, right lightness. It's it's playful. So it's not that challenges will end, conflict within will end, and then now we are yeah in that clear space and we can see yeah the magic of life. Yeah, because we've acknowledged it, and one of the things we do in the yoga mindset coaching is we. I will speak to the client. I'll ask the client's part. Is it okay for me to ask you a few questions right now? And it's to acknowledge it, but to say, I'm not trying to get rid of you. All the parts are good. So all of these emotions are good. God gave us these emotions for a reason. They're all good. And when they are, as you mentioned, balanced, when they're in balance, they're doing their, they're doing a good job. They just tend to sometimes think I got to work harder than they need to when we get out of balance. But the curiosity is wonderful. I, that old expression, curiosity killed the cat. I like to say curiosity enlivened the cat. Uh, right. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that one. That's an old yeah saying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that doesn't make sense. <laughs> Although everything in life, it doesn't have to make sense even, right? We don't have to use logic all the time. Exactly, exactly. So we're almost at the end, Barbara, but I would love for you to talk to me for a moment about gentleness as a superpower. Oh, I would love to. It's something I grew up with, and I use the word gentleness now, but I, growing up, I identified part of me, <laughs> careful I that part of me, identified with being painfully shy and I've often laughingly said clinically introverted and just feeling that so deeply and holding back. And But I, I've come to realize and fairly recently to identify that gentleness is my superpower. And in fact, as a teacher and as a coach, it's my, I don't really like this word, but it is my product. My product is gentleness because there are many times that it's kind of, I felt like got me into trouble because People thought I was too soft, too soft-spoken, this, that, or the other. And yet, when I look at the students and clients who have resonated, who had a, a like resonance with most strongly, it's because I brought to them not long hamstrings, not a yoga butt, but I helped bring them to that state of calm and doing so through gentleness. Wow, gentleness it's not a handicap. It's my superpower. And it's something that I intend as best I can to share with others. 
beautifully yeah, in, in this conversation has definitely been the case. So yeah, to me, gentleness, kindness is true power. Yeah, it's not, it's not a weakness. It's a superpower. Yeah, and I know that power has been, uh, the word has been corrupted with the ideas of manipulation, force, control, but that is just like a, a different interpretation, and I'm not sure how that came about, but and it seems to me like women, we are more, let's say, prone to use that power, that true power of kindness. Not comparing, I know this is not a conversation about, you know, female and male. I believe in life just being <clears throat> being this amazing orchestra of colors and shapes and, I mean, just magic happening. <laughs> so I don't separate or create separation. But then when it comes to talking about um, expressions of nature of life, it's interesting to see that women tend to be kinder than men. And I often wonder why. I know there's a lot of scientific research that will show us, right, that men testosterone and all that. They're physically stronger, so they use that. But if you want to make a comment, um, Barbara. <laughs> I don't think I have one. I think you said it very well. It's true. It's true. But it is, again, to claim it as a power. And, I, you know, I'm not a mother, but I suspect that might play in as even for those of us who, who never were a mother, um, that nurturing, that, that mm. innate, yeah. I think it's innate in women, that innate nurturing power. Yes, that's right. That's the word, yeah, innate. Yes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I have a few more questions for you, the ending questions. Would you like to add anything before that? This, I, I have another quote for you, an ancient yeah. one, and it, it, might, it might play into one of the questions you were going to ask, but I did want to share this. And this, I refer to the Upanishads, ancient scriptures from yoga from thousands of years ago. And it really, this quote really helps me stay on target. You are what your deep driving desire is. As is your desire, so is your will. As your will is, so is your deed. As your deed is, so is your destiny. And we need to be mindful of what you are what your deep driving desire is because sometimes our deep driving desire might be to stay safe yeah. because we've learned to protect ourselves. So sure. be mindful of if, if that's your deep driving desire to be safe, you might be holding yourself back from mm. what is really going to allow your destiny to unfold. So let me ask you a few more questions. Yeah. What is your idea of success these days, Barbara? What is to be successful to you? My idea of success is living your life on purpose, is, again, paying attention to those moments of, I'm doing good, I'm feeling free, I'm doing my purpose, and that's success. I, I, the word money didn't come in there to me whatsoever. It's, it's the, um, yeah, the, the rewards of, um, I have a one of my coaches talks about the bliss money balance. So mm. if you were thinking about, you know, success as money, it's what is the bliss money balance that you're doing? What was the hardest lesson to learn about yourself and life as of today? It was um, the year that I was 18. I had, I, I was registering for college. And back in the day, you had to stand in a long line to register for classes. Mm. And 
I went into a panic attack in that line. I had no idea what was happening to me, but it was completely felt throughout me. And I had a panic attack. I drove home. I was living with my parents. I ended up staying at home in the house for a year with agoraphobia. And I was, I would try to go out. I'd maybe go to the grocery store with my mother and I would have a panic attack. And that was a very hard life lesson. I would break down into this belief of fear when I left the house. And that's when I started yoga. Yoga was on TV every night. And so I started doing yoga. And then I was like, ah, when I do this, I feel good about myself. I feel good in my own skin. So that was a really hard lesson. But then when I realized, and again, for me today to say that my dharma is to share all of myself. Yeah. Again, the antidote to having had agoraphobia for a year. Two more questions. If you knew you would die soon, meaning leaving, losing the body, would you make any change or do anything in a different way? Oh, I, as of this hour, <laughs> I would, yeah. there might be other hours I would have something different to say. But it's, yeah. no, I'm, I'm currently at this moment, I'm not in my home. I'm visiting a, a friend out of state from where I live. And it's, I, it's, I'm in Missoula, Montana. And I used to live here. And I've got many former friends here. And I've got a few more days here. So I'm like, there's two, three more friends I haven't seen yet. So that's my answer right now. I, mm-hmm. I'm just spending time with my friends and to acknowledge those relationships. Yeah, that's beautiful. It goes back to the connectivity union, right? Yes, no, no yes. Separation. And my last question is, what are three things about life you know for sure as of this moment? I have, I'm going to quote again James Baldwin, because I, I just love this one. To be sensual is to respect and rejoice in the force of life, of life itself, and to be present in all that one does from the effort of loving to the making of bread. I know that for sure, to put that purpose into our life. And to really making eye contact, that seems so simple, but that act of making eye contact. And when we can, you know, the eyes, the window to the soul, making that contact is so much, it's it's so vitally important to me. And what I know for sure is that to kindle a light in the darkness, the sole purpose to me of human existence is to kindle a light in the darkness because it's a light into ourselves. It's really lighting ourselves that we may light others. Oh, wow. I love that. Um, thank you so much, Barbara. Yeah. For the wisdom, this universal wisdom that flows through you, um, what you do, the way you do it, and for being you. Thank you. And before we say goodbye, where can we find more information about you, your work, services, products, and future projects? Okay. Well, I will spell out my website because I spell Barbara a little bit differently. I spell it like Barbara Streisand. So it's B-A-R-B-R-A-B-R-A-D-Y.com. Wonderful. I also have the link on your podcast profile. Thank you. Thank you so much again, and we'll talk soon. Okay, thank you. Bye-bye. Bye for now, Barbara. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Barbara Brady and her work, 
please visit barbarabrady.com. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. Thank you again for listening and bye for now.